want to jump into the message this morning, and I'm going to pick up with a verse from Christmas that I read a few weeks ago, and then we're going to take off in a different direction, and I will explain why we're picking up on a Christmas verse. This is actually a, a word of prophecy that was given by the prophet Isaiah about 600 years before Jesus was born. This would be considered a messianic prophecy uh, that Jesus fulfilled. It said, for to us a child is born, to us a son has been given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And here's where we're going today in verse 7. The increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. He's saying the kingdom of God, it will ever be increasing. The kingdom will ever be expanding. Since the time of Jesus to this moment right here, the kingdom of God and his peace are always expanding and advancing if you will, to tie it into this message right here. So that's what I want to talk about today for these next few minutes is that it's, it's the increase of God that is always growing. It's always increasing. It will have no end. <clears throat> There's no such thing as standing still in the kingdom of God. So here's the thing, that the kingdom of God is always moving, it's always expanding, it's always increasing. And sometimes the kingdom of God in our life is moving like a mighty rushing river. But sometimes the kingdom of God in our life is moving like a lazy river and we're just sitting in a tube and just letting the Holy Spirit lead us. But to get out and hold your tube and watch the other people go by is actually backsliding. Because the kingdom of God is always advancing and it's always moving. So for us to just step back, I just need a little break from Jesus and I'm just going to watch for a while. That's actually backsliding because the kingdom of God is always advancing and taking new ground. So by you stepping back, you're actually stepping away from the kingdom of God that is advancing in your life. That's why our theme for 2022 is to advance, to move forward, to take ground, maybe to take back some ground that was given up in 2021. So uh, how do we see this um, example in Scripture? How does Jesus address it? Jesus takes the disciples camping. They go to the, which by the way, camping is just pretending to be homeless. Um, but I, I guess when everywhere you sleep has no rushing, no, um, no running water and no toilets and no air conditioning in the Middle East, they were just camping every day. That was just a lifestyle of camping. But he took the disciples to the north of Israel, up in the mountains, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he took them to a place that was a, a altar, a shrine to a pagan god. Uh, Pan was the pagan god. But the funny thing is many Jews and many people in Israel were, were, were going up to the north of Israel and were I don't know, putting their faith. I guess you can't say putting their faith, but were following after this, this newfangled religion up in the north of Israel. So Jesus wants to do something. He wants to just kind of draw a line in the sand and, and see where everybody's at. So Matthew 16, Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked the disciples, hey disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, uh, well, son, say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, others maybe Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus is like, yeah, 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 yeah. But who do you say that I am? So that's a question that maybe Holy Spirit is asking you today. Who do you say that God is? The one to pipe up was in verse 16, Simon Peter. Peter said, you're the Christ, which the Messiah, the Savior. You are the son of the living God. 
Now look at Jesus' response in verse 17. Jesus said, well, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was my Father in heaven who revealed this to you, that Jesus was the Messiah. But listen to this revelation. I tell you, Peter, on this rock, on this revelation that Jesus is Messiah, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not only that, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you, uncommon church, bind on the earth, it's going to be bound up in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So the what he's talking about, how to build a church, is on the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the bedrock revelation for us personally in our hearts and for us as a church, that we would look through the lens that everything is predicated on the lordship of Jesus Christ, that no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens to the economy, no matter who the president is, no matter what they want to name the next wave of the uh, flu uh, virus thing, it doesn't matter because Jesus is Lord. It's Lord of our hearts. It's Lord of this church. It's Lord over this city. We declare it. And we're going to build our church on this revelation. And when we do, the gates of hell will not prevail against our church. And it first starts in your heart personally. We, we can't talk about the whole church until we talk about our individual hearts. We have to make a decision that for me and my heart, Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah of my heart. That everything I think, everything I see, I see through the lens of the Lordship of Jesus, through the victory of Jesus. It's like I see that baby in the manger, but I also see the empty tomb. And, and like I, I see salvation, I see advancing, I see healing, I see freedom and blessing and deliverance and favor. I see the kingdom of God advancing in my heart and in my church and in my city. But the second thing he said is not only are we going to see the, 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 the church advance and the gates of hell would not prevail, we as a church, if we really operate with this level of faith that Jesus is Lord, Jesus said, I will build the church. See, sometimes I think we imagine that we as a church or maybe the pastors and the staff are trying to build the church. No, Jesus said, I'm the one who's building the church. And if I build this church, the gates of hell will not prevail against our church. Can I let you in on a little secret? Gates don't move. So therefore, it's the ever-advancing, it's the ever-increasing kingdom of God that will bump into the gates of hell. And then we will advance right through those because we will step into the enemy's territory. It's, it's not the, the enemy's, the devil's camp that moves. It's the kingdom of God that's always advancing, breaking through those gates. Souls will be saved. Why? Because we're going to break through gates and take ground back. People will be healed. Marriages will be restored. People who have, are, are bound up with addiction or bound up with fear or bound up with unbelief or bound up with poverty, bound up with, with whatever, it's going to be broken off this year because we as a church declare the lordship of Jesus and we're going to break through those gates everywhere we go. See, sometimes we feel like hell is attacking us. No, we're the ones who are constantly advancing and constantly pushing back against the gates of hell. Verse 19. Jesus said, in addition to that, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on the earth, it's going to be bound up in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth, it's going to be loosed in heaven. Keys unlock gates. Keys unlock doors and take us into new realms. Jesus has given Uncommon Church the keys to these mid-cities. 
And we are going to unlock the gates of hell and push back and, and take ground that has never been. We're going to bind up sickness in this church and in this city. We're going to bind up sin. We're going to bind up fear. We're going to bind up addiction. We're going to bind up depression. We're going to bind up broken marriages and families. And we are going to bind those things up and we're going to loose healing. We're going to lose freedom. We're going to lose love. We're going to lose honor. We're going to lose serving. We're going to lose humility. We're going to lose the kingdom of heaven wherever we go, because that's what we're called to do is to knock through gates that have been put up in front of us and to unlock areas of our city so that more people can get saved. I feel like I am preaching better than your amening. And I feel like earlier we were like singing about victory, but we were singing as if we were Washington football team fans. We were like, yeah, we're going to see a victory. I, I, I Maybe once in a while we'll see a victory, right? That is not how the people of God worship. Don't come into this year with last year's style of worship. Go into this year with victory. Go into this year declaring victory. Not like, yeah, we might see some victory and stuff. That's, this is, if you're shopping for a church and you're looking for that kind of worship, this is not your house. There's two very different ways that I see in Scripture of how the kingdom of God advances. First, and I know this is going to sound so simple, but if you think about it, it's so true. The first way that the kingdom of God advances is through faith, but a faith that is violent and warring. Because every time we have faith in the kingdom of God, it will be contrary to the kingdom of this world. And it will break the norm of what everybody else thinks. It is opposition thinking, and it becomes, it creates tension, it creates strife, because we think according to the kingdom of God's system and according to the scriptures, but it, it's, that faith seems like it's bringing conflict because it's against this world system. Now look at it this way, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. We are in a season of forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. Our faith is focused, our faith is energized by the Holy Spirit and it will take ground and it will not give up one inch to the devil. But all of these things are not happening in the physical realm. We're not creating strife and drama and tension and war with people. All of these things happen in an unseen world. It happens in the Holy Spirit's world. And whenever people of faith stand up and be like, no, I believe the Bible. I believe the kingdom of God. I believe the word of God. It, it rocks the boat of what the status quo is for everybody else. And here's the sad truth. We're even seeing it inside the body of Christ. We're seeing it inside the church that there are some people that are willing to stand up and say, yes, I believe the whole word of God to be true. And I'm sorry if that makes you feel like there's a conflict, but I am going to stand for the things of God no matter what. Faith says no when other people are saying yes, and faith also says yes when other people are saying no. Faith-filled people don't care what faithless people think. Faith-filled people only care what God thinks. And here's the funny thing. Ironically, when I'm talking about warfare and, and violence and strife, and that's all happening in the spirit world. When we really step out in faith, it often brings peace to our hearts. 
Because our faith and our trust is in God is the victor. God is the one, we're trusting that he is the one who will bring victory. So there's not any more striving or anxiety or on earth. It brings us to a place of peace. It brings us to a place of rest. The power of God is being released on the earth through faith. So my response is one of rest. However, in the spirit realm, it's violent. It is attacking demonic strongholds. It's breaking through the gates of hell. It's taking back ground that the devil tried to take from us. It, it is seeing addiction broken off of people's life. It's seeing hope and joy and peace brought to people that have no hope and joy and peace. It's seeing the power of God bring healing to people's minds and hearts that are broken. So it is violent in the spirit realm, but here on earth, it actually brings quite a bit of peace. Faith doesn't come from striving more. Faith doesn't come from us giving more effort. Faith comes from us surrendering to the plan of God and the will of God, the power of God. It's just a super practical example I've used from time to time. Right now, you are having faith in the 30-year-old chair you're sitting in. We've ordered new chairs. They'll be here in a few weeks. But um, you're having faith that the welder 30-something years ago was paying attention when he welded your chair. And because of your faith in that chair, your response is rest. You're, like, you're not like trying not to fall out of the chair, Right? You're at rest. Why? Because you have faith in that chair. So when we really put our faith in the power of the kingdom of God, it brings us to a place of rest and trust. He is the one who is in control. So the first way that the kingdom of God advances is through violence. But the second way that the kingdom of God advances is like a little child who sits down and a loving father will bring the kingdom and then give it to them. We see it in Mark chapter 10. Jesus said it like this. Well, what was happening was people were bringing their children to Jesus because they wanted Jesus to lay his hands on them and bless them. But the disciples, so smart, they rebuked the families. Like, get those kids away from the king of the universe. Jesus saw it and he was indignant. And he said, hey, 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 let those children come to me. Don't hinder kiddos from coming to me because such as the kingdom of God, it belongs to them. The kingdom of God was, was built on this childlike faith. In verse 15, this is so important. He says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter into it. So at, at times, we advance the kingdom of God through violent faith. But at other times, we advance the kingdom of God simply by resting like a little child and trusting a loving father to provide. Because you can't violently pursue and take ground while at the same time you're resting like a child to receive. They're, they're two separate times. They're two separate seasons, two separate means by which God will advance his kingdom. And sometimes these, these things, these seasons, they happen completely independently of one another. You go through a season of warfare and at other times you go through a season of rest like a child, but sometimes in one battlefield you are resting like a child and in another battlefield you are fighting simultaneously. But how we operate, how we advance the kingdom of God is the Lord's decision. We, there's two ways of how to look at it. The first is this. The kingdom of God advancing through warfare, advancing violently, is up to us to understand our authority wielding the power of the Holy Spirit that has been deposited within us. We need to, as a church, we need to know and understand the power of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what spiritual warfare is all about. And we need to understand and, and begin to wield the power and authority that God has given to us. 
Because we have to realize that sometimes God does want to do something for us, but there's other times when God wants to do something through us, and we are the ones that stand up and fight, which is why uh, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 6, the whole thing about the armor of God. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Some people are like, fighting evil spirits? I just wanted to visit a church because you had a cool name. What the heck? Yeah, we're those people. And then he goes on to say, put on the full armor of God. Can I also say this? Stop taking off the armor of God. Some people are like, I've just got to put on the armor of God. Well, why? You don't have to take it off when you go to bed. It's like soft, silky PJs. You can sleep in the armor of God. <laughs> so you can't step onto a battlefield spiritually with demons unless you know your authority and the power of the Holy Spirit that has been put on the inside of you. But at the same time, to advance like a child, it doesn't have to do with knowing your authority. It has to know, you have to know your identity that I am a son, I am a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am a royal child in the royal kingdom of heaven, in the court of heaven. I am royalty because I have been adopted into his family. So sometimes there's going to be a battle, but sometimes I'm going to advance in the kingdom of God simply as an inheritance that I receive. And there's nothing I have. The, the, the victory is his, and he's going to give it to me. He's gonna, I'm gonna harvest crops that I didn't plant simply because my father loves me and he will provide for me. So at some times we advance the kingdom of God by recognizing our authority. At other times we advance the kingdom of God by recognizing our identity and our inheritance. Both are vital. Both are, 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 are interwoven into the Christian life. But how we advance is up to us to watch what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. Both are how the kingdom advances, but it's the Lord who decides which approach needs to be done. So then we are the ones that have to identify. We are the ones that have to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit to know which season we're in. Because if it's a season of rest, you don't need to come to battle. If it's a season of battle, you don't need to come with your rest. So we have to develop a dependency on the Holy Spirit, that, that, that we watch closely what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. It's like a dance, and we surrender to the Lord, and we let him lead, which I think is part of why the illustration or the, the, the analogy is used that the church, the body of Christ, the Bible says, is like the bride, and he is the bridegroom. And we are, we're in this dance, but we have to submit and surrender that he is the one who leads us. And we can learn to grow in both areas. Peter put it this way, I want you, Uncommon Church, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, because to him be the glory now and for eternity. So we need to learn to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and he will grow our understanding, our grace, our wisdom, our knowledge of how to operate in which season. So let me give you some practical ways on how we advance. 21 days, prayer, fasting, Bible reading. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take these first three weeks of this new year of advancing into the new year. And we as a church are going to do 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'll talk more about fasting in a moment. I'll talk first about prayer. As often as you can, I would like for you to swing by the church from six to seven o'clock 
um, Monday through Saturday and join us for an hour of prayer. Sundays we'll take the day off for the next three weeks. Um, and if you can't make it, that's not, you know, if you, if you live in Rockwall, first of all, I can recommend some great churches to you that are closer than an hour away. But um, if, if you can't make it, you can't make it. But if you are able to make it, please swing by the church for one hour and we're going to pray. There's not going to be fanfare. There's not going to be childcare. There's not going to be like, you know, big song and whistle and there won't be any of this. It's just going to be stations of how you can come and spend an hour in prayer. And if you've never spent an hour in prayer, we will have one person who's leading the hour that'll help you. One of our, one of our staff, one of our pastors will help to lead that hour of prayer. And when you're done, you can text your grandma, you're not going to believe this but I just spent an hour in prayer. And then you probably should go visit her because she's going to have a heart attack. So, I'm so proud of my baby spending an hour in prayer. And then when you do it again on Tuesday, forget about it. You definitely go into favorite grandchild mode. Instead of $25 in your birthday check, it's going to be 50. I'm just telling you right now. We normally have a, an hour of worship and prayer on Wednesday nights, but for the next three weeks, there will not be presence and prayer at seven. We're just gonna pray together corporately at six. Also, every day, um, if you're on the uncommon email list, uh, you're gonna get an email devotional for that day, for the next 21 days, starting tomorrow. And it's just gonna give you a, a little portion of scripture to consider, to meditate on. There's gonna be different topics that we're gonna help to, to advance in, like advancing in our joy, advancing in faith, in, advancing in miracles, advancing uh, in, in, in the power of God. Um, so check your inbox every day. Make sure, if, if you're like, I didn't get nothing, it's probably in the junk, uh, or you're just simply not subscribed. Go ahead and fill out a connect card and make sure that you're getting those daily emails for the next 21 days. And, but wait, there's more. Uh, when you came in today, you should have gotten a piece of paper that talks about fasting and gives you some guidelines on how you should fast. Um, these are very loose guidelines on what you should eat and shouldn't eat. But on the back, you're going to notice it has the schedule for the next 21 days. And it reminds you that we don't meet on Sunday nights. And it has a little portion of Bible reading. It is so important that you set the next 21 days of, of creating the habit that you are going to read your Bible every single day. Now, if yesterday on January 1st, you started a new Bible reading plan, um, then you don't have to do this with us. But if you don't have an existing Bible reading plan, we would like for you to take this opportunity to read two chapters a day with us. So we're going to um, read through the book of Acts and read through the book of Nehemiah. Acts is in the New Testament. Uh, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Both are stories of how the kingdom of God was advancing through the people of God. So two chapters a day, and those are listed there. You know, checkbox. I know some of you, I could care less if I check the box or not. My wife loves a good checkbox. So she's going to read Acts 1 and 2 and then give it a good check in the checkbox. So that's there for you box checkers as well. So that is um, Bible reading, that is daily devotional. We're gonna spend time in prayer every day. Let's talk about fasting. The some people are like, hey, do, do I really have to fast? Like, no and yes. And I'll explain why in a minute. Um, fasting is one of those disciplines that God has given us that sharpens us. And it is not a diet, it is a discipline. And it's kind of like sharpening a knife, but it's sharpening your, your spiritual man. If you've ever tried to cut into like a thick, kind of cheap steak, like a, like a sirloin that you get at, at Walmart, um, you try to do it with a butter knife, like it's gonna take a lot of work and it's gonna take a lot of striving and it's gonna take a lot of stress. Like you might actually break a sweat trying to cut into a, a thick, cheap steak with a butter knife. 
But if you would take an extremely sharp knife, there's no stress, there's no work, it's super easy as you just cut into that thing. Fasting is one of the methods that God has created that sharpens your spiritual edge. It makes life easier when you discipline your body and your body knows that it's not in charge. The problem is we have, for the most part, allowed our bodies to be in charge. I want to get drunk, so I get drunk. I want to get high, so I get high. I want to look at porn, so I look at porn. I want to throw a temper tantrum and get angry and yell, so we do that. I want to sleep with somebody I'm not married to, so we do it. And we just, we give in to our bodies and we do it more so with food than anything else. America is fixated with food. Baseball is not the national pastime. Eating is. Like we love, we have multiple food networks that 24 hours a day will show us how to cook and eat food. We love food so much, we will sit on our couch eating food, watching other people make food. We just came to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Thanksgiving, basically, let's be honest, is just a made up holiday so we can be gluttons for a day. Like we love to eat, woo! Like we love to eat so much. I'm talking to the guy who's been freebasing sugar the last like six weeks, ever since that, I've been like cooking it up in a spoon. Like, to, like I have eaten so much sugar. I didn't know that's what rock candy was for, but the point is, I have eaten my, fa I need 21 days of fasting, not because it's a diet, but because I need the discipline. We love to overeat. We, as Americans and Western people, we eat way more calories than we need to. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, or we're going to give you the verses here. Jesus is giving in Matthew 6 some when you. There's actually three when you's, and I'm only going to read the third one on fasting. But the, there, there's, there's, he says, when you do this, I'm going to reward you with that. The first one is give. When you give, if you give in secret, I will reward you. The second one is pray. When you pray, and this is actually where the disciples said, well, hey, speaking of which, can you teach us how to pray? And he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Ironic that we call it the Lord's Prayer because in there is asking the Lord to forgive us of our sin and Jesus never sinned. It should be the disciples' prayer is what we should call that. And then the third when you, he says in Matthew chapter 16, is when you fast, don't make it obvious. Those are the hypocrites will do that. They try to look miserable and disheveled and cry about it on Instagram so that people will admire them for fasting. If you put a picture of a banana on your plate tomorrow, you don't get no credit for fasting. He says, I tell you the truth, that's actually all the reward you're ever going to get. But, and here's the people that say, do I have to fast? Verse 17, when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, don't put it on social media. So no one will notice that you're fasting, except who? Your Father in heaven. Because he knows what you do in private. And your Father sees everything you do in private. And if he sees you giving, praying, and fasting, he will reward you. Wouldn't you love to receive a reward from the God of the universe? He rewards his children that give, pray, and fast. Three things that Jesus accepts, uh, expects out of every believer. This should be normal behavior that we give, we pray, and we fast in secret, and he will reward us. Let me just say this about giving. 
I, I love giving. It's one of the funnest things I do is to give God my money. Like, because I don't see it as my money. I see it as his money. And it is like the fun. If you're not a giver, you are missing out on one of the three venues and you're missing out on the reward that God wants to bless. He wants to bless you if you would be obedient to the venues. So when you give, when you pray. Can I also say this about prayer? He said, when you pray, not if you pray. See, too often we treat prayer like it's optional. And we're like, well, do we have to pray? Yes, we have to pray. Because if prayer was optional, ain't nobody ever gonna wanna pray. Like, except for Josie's dad, who just loves to pray. Like, the rest of us would not be here tomorrow at six o'clock because we don't like to pray. Like, you like think, some of you are like, pray for 21 days at six at the church? Like, I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do it. I pastor the church, I don't want to do that. I do it because it's a discipline. I do it because it's how the kingdom of God advances in my heart personally, and I do it because it's how the kingdom of God advances in our church, and it's how the kingdom of God advances in our city. That's why we pray. I, I don't see it as optional. I see it as when you, and then there's going to be a reward. So these, these when you's are not, this is normal behavior. When you give, when you pray, and then he says, when you fast. Don't complain about it on social media. Because if you were looking for likes and reward that, that, that make you feel, that's all the rewards you're going to get. But if you would be disciplined to fast and not let anybody know that you're fasting and not complain about how hungry you are, then there is a reward for you personally. There is a reward for our church. There will be a reward for the city of Eulis because we as a church fast. There is a reward when we discipline ourselves because it's always a choice. Fasting is, is, is a choice. We have to choose to fast. It's, it's, it's not that we're, we're forced to fast. Let me just, so here's what I, let me answer my question from four minutes ago. You do not have to fast for the next 21 days. You do have to fast at some point as a believer. And some of you are like, oh, he's just so spiritual. He loves to give and he loves to pray and he loves to fast. Listen, there is no bigger baby than when I am sick and when I am fasting. I lose all my reward, at least in my house, when I'm fasting because of how much I complain about fasting. Why? Because it is a flesh killer and I love my flesh. <laughs> fasting strengthens your spirit man while starving your natural man. Now, you're not starving yourself. Starving yourself is stupid. Fasting is actually feasting. You're feasting on the presence of God. You're feasting on the, the word of God. You're feasting on the Holy Spirit. You are, let me put it this way. You are made up in three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. When you fast, you're training your body that it's actually your spirit man that's in charge. So if you want something different in the kingdom of God, if you want something different in your personal life, you're gonna have to do something you've never done before. Um, I don't know who made uh, the Weather Channel mad yesterday, um, but it was like somebody insulted the Weather Channel's mama and just dropped 55 degrees in 10 minutes. So we have a wood fireplace, and for the, I have all this wood stacked up for a year that I finally got to burn some of it last night. But it was so dry because I hadn't used it all year. I was we were trying to watch some of the Baylor game. And uh, we were just trying to watch TV, but like every five minutes I'm up and I got to move the screen and I got to stoke the thing and I got to add more wood. Why? Because the very nature of fire is that it's constantly trying to go out. The very nature of fire is that you always have to add more wood to it. You always have to pay attention to it. You always have to stoke it. The same is true with your spiritual life. 
You always have to be adding spiritual wood. You always have to be stoking. You always have to be poking. You always have to be, don't let your fire go out in 2022. 2022 is still a blank canvas. It's the second, it's still a blank canvas. You haven't done that much stupid stuff. It's an, it's a bit like, I've done some stupid stuff yesterday. Well, you're in church today, so you, it, it all, it washed out. It, you still have an opportunity that this will be the greatest year of your life. I, I actually want you to look forward to this year. You should be so excited that, that you are exhilarated to go into 2022 because the Christian life should be exhilarating. If you look back at 2021 and Jesus didn't take your breath away at least once, you're doing something wrong. Your faith, your walk with God should take your breath away. I've been married almost 26 years. This woman still takes my breath away sometimes. Do you remember what it was like when you were dating and you were newly married? Like you'd get the, your heart would race. I mean, not because you're overweight and old, but your heart would race <laughs> because <laughs> the older I get, the more real some of this like, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. There's a little pill for that, by the way. It's called your heart rate now. Old people laughing with me. <laughs> Welcome to the club, Ben. So um, just 2.5 milligrams, but it holds your heart down. What was I talking about? Oh, when you were young and your heart would race, you get the, remember young people, you get those sweaty palm hands? Like, I hope the preacher says, hold hands with the person next to you. <laughs> Jesus should give you that. Your heart is racing. Like when you come into worship, don't come into worship late. When you come into worship late, when you skip worship, that's like an old married couple that just don't care no more about being intimate. You should come early and your heart should be like, I'm so excited to worship God today. Your, heart, your hands should be sweaty like, we're gonna, we're gonna study the word today. Like Jesus should take your breath away. You should be longing to get into his presence. Some people are like this. Pastor, you don't understand, man. I'm, I'm coming in kind of broken. Coming in kind of, I'm limping into 2022. And I got, I got smacked around the last two years. And I, I let my heart grow cold. I let sin back into my life. I planted some seeds of sin. Do you know what's nice about the Lord? If we'll repent and make Jesus the Lord of our life, he'll cause crop failure on any sin that we planted in 2021. And we'll reap a harvest of blessing that we didn't even sow. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you. The kingdom of God is advancing. Sometimes it advances violently. Sometimes it advances like a little child whose father is just gonna give it to him. You remember we talked a few minutes ago about Jesus taking the disciples camping up in the north of Israel, up at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked a question. He said, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter was like, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. See, that sounds spiritual in church. Nobody had said that yet. Ever. When Peter said, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. That's the first time those words had ever been spoken in, in history. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? He said, Pete, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My father in heaven revealed that to you. Only God can reveal himself to your heart. We can sing songs. I can talk for 30 minutes. That's flesh and blood. But it's the spirit of God that reveals the lordship of Jesus to your heart. 
And he's asking you the same question that he asked the disciples 2,000 years ago. Hey, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a lunatic? He's either a lunatic or savior. He can't be both. And if he's savior, we're the ones that have to surrender our lives to him. He's in control, not us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we submit and surrender our lives to you, our hearts personally to you, our church corporately to you, on behalf of our city, these mid-cities, Eulis, Bedford, Hearst, Colleyville, Grapevine, Irving, Arlington. We submit and surrender them to your lordship that even by faith, we say that the kingdom of God will advance in my heart personally, in my church corporately, and in my city. Lord, I pray that you would lead and we would follow and that we would have our eyes fixed on you, that we would recognize the season of advancing that we're in, whether we have to rest or we have to fight. And Father, I pray that you would use us in these next 21 days to surrender everything to you. Surrender our bodies to you, our stomachs to you, our time to you. Open our eyes to see, to be transformed, to be renewed by your word. Holy Spirit, if there's any wicked way in me, Shine your light. I don't want to take any hidden sin into 2022. Hmm. Uh, look up here at me. This week, we're getting some reports. This week, you're going to hear about a, a major pastor um, nationally that is telling his church this morning that he's been in adultery and is stepping down. It's going to be big news. Because... There, at some point was one of these New Year's Eve services where the Holy Spirit was like, hey bro, why don't we deal with that lust problem you've got in your heart? But as his fame was growing as a pastor, he's like, no, we'll deal with that later, Lord. Please, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, don't ignore the Holy Spirit when he's trying to get you to your knees to repent for those little areas of weakness in your life. Because this guy, I don't know how old he is, late 50s, 60, and it's going to destroy thousands of people. It's going to destroy the church. Because he kept telling the Holy Spirit to be quiet. Church family, I want us to be the, the people that ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, search me. And if there's any wicked way in my heart, and if there's any wicked, um, if, if I have a a bent, a leaning, a, a, an addiction towards lust or towards pride or towards anger or towards gluttony or, or, or towards adultery or towards getting drunk or getting high or, or whatever. This is your moment to repent. Ask God to forgive you and then ask God to transform your life that you would not take that sin into 2022 and three and four. And then it'll ruin your marriage one day. It'll ruin your family one day. It'll ruin your ministry one day. Let's not be those people. Let's be the people that are like soft clay in the hands of the Lord, that he can create a masterpiece out of our lives, a masterpiece out of our marriages, out of our families, out of our church. If you're here this morning and there's sin in your life, 
I want you to repent, ask God to forgive you and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. If you're watching online, your heart's probably beating out of your chest. It's the Holy Spirit saying, dude, come on. I love you. I'm not mad at you, but I've created you to be a son, a daughter of the Most High God. And it is unbecoming of royalty to live in sin. It's unbecoming of God's royalty to look at porn, to get high, to get drunk, to get angry. It's unbecoming of who God has created you and identified you to be. So today is your day to repent and ask God to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So whether you're at home or you're here in the room, today is your day to repent and ask God to forgive you. Let's, let's go into 2022 with no regrets, with no sin, with nothing that ties you to the past, but that you have hope and joy and peace going into the future. In fact, I, I, I can lead you in that prayer, but I can't pray it for you. It's got to come from your heart. And I know that your eyes are open and you don't want to raise your hand or pray a prayer when everybody's looking around. Jesus hung naked in front of all of Jerusalem and took your sin to the cross. I don't really care if people's eyes are open. You people at home are lucky because we can't see you. I hope you're in a room full of other people that are going to look at you. If you're here this morning, you're watching online and you're not right with God, there's sin in your life. You want to pray and ask Jesus to forgive you, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It might be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. It might be the first time in a long time, but today is your day. Would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. I see your hands, everybody else. Say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Anybody else? What about you at home? Right there in your living room, just shoot your hand up between you and God and just be like, I can get right with God today. I'm not going into 2022 with this sin in my life. For the one or two hands that I saw in the room and for you at home, if you believe it in your heart, let's pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent and I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. Pray with me. The Holy Spirit, search my heart. If there's any wicked way, Shine your light of love and give me the confidence, the boldness, and the humility to ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Hey, for the one or two of you and for you at home, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe.